Hi, this is 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. I'm continuously meeting providers who are seeking out new ways to connect meaningfully with patients. The practitioners I meet want to be able to speak clearly and convincingly to any patient, even, and especially, when there are significant cultural differences. Some of them have told me they feel like a better doctor when they can share their knowledge with anyone. What do you do when you feel there's a cultural gap between you and your patient? Welcome to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication with Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. Providing you with tips and strategies you can use to improve your patient engagement. The National Standards for Culturally and Linguistically Appropriate Services in Health and Healthcare were issued in 2000 and revised with multi-sector input in 2013. They're designed to draw attention to and address health disparities and ensure, quote, effective, equitable, understandable, and respectful quality care and services, end quote. What do these standards have to do with language use? besides medical interpreters? Well, turns out, quite a lot. Recent research on unconscious bias has shown how public health, medical care, and human service providers can unintentionally contribute to racial or ethnic health disparities. And some of this unconscious bias manifests itself through language. This is both an individual and an organizational issue. Cultural mismatches in speech and language patterns in institutions are a source of negative outcomes, as found in research based on culturally relevant, culturally sustaining pedagogy over the last 30 years. Links to all of this, of course, in the show notes. It's not easy being intentional with your words. We can all tend to think of the ways we use language as normal, natural, value-free, or neutral, no big deal. There's an allegory in anthropology and ethnography that my former professor Brian Street retold several times, and it's used to remind and caution researchers about perspective. In short, it's that the fish would be the last creature to discover water. Among other things, this means it's hard for us to notice our own language. Regardless of the occasion, our language reveals our perspective on what linguist James G. calls, quote, being normal, acceptable, right, real, the way things are, or the way things ought to be. So, how hard is it to notice what's right in front of us? One study of medical specialists showed that when providers watched themselves on video, communicating with different patients, they scarcely noticed the differences that were clear to researchers. This was true even though these providers had been extensively trained in and were enthusiastic about intercultural communication. They were looking for it and still didn't see it. There's nothing really wrong or surprising about this. It's just a reminder that we all need support in examining what we take for granted, including our language use. I was talking with a patient. Now, she is an immigrant, and English is not her native language, but her English is excellent. She has a PhD from American University. 
and she explained some of her experiences in the linguistic and cultural landscape of the medical encounter. She said, If they say stomach or tummy, I can understand, but if they use anything medical, I cannot get it. It's very difficult for people to keep asking questions. Sometimes when I have the medicine, I smile and nod, and then go home and Google it and read. Interestingly, this patient indicates a language barrier, but it's one that, from my outsider perspective, has nothing to do with the fact that English is her second language. Rather, it's with the differences between medical language and everyday language. You know about this barrier. But for this patient, that language barrier is reinforced by a kind of social or cultural pressure that she feels to not keep asking questions. This account is in line with prior research findings that ethnic minority patients can be less verbally expressive than white patients. Now, multiple providers have spoken candidly with me about unwritten rules and expectations around being perfect as a physician and about what that means for communication. I bring this up because I've been wondering about how such pressures might lead providers to feel that they should somehow be able to anticipate what to say to any patient, no matter their cultural or linguistic background, or to somehow have all the answers ready, the right words for the right patient at the right time. Now that sounds good, and it's a nice goal, but I wonder if it has unintentional side effects. Of course, patients do not all think or speak the same way. Yet, we often want to put people in categories, even though we know at some level the world doesn't work that way. The good news is, you don't have to figure it out about a whole culture or social group as if that were even possible. Patients have been shown to place more importance on a provider engaging in patient-centered communication than on the provider's ethnic background. So even when patients perceive a language barrier, they believe it will be less pressing when a relationship is established with the provider. I'm inviting you to think about your own communication and what you take for granted so that you can begin to see opportunities and possibilities. So I'm going to give you one tool for quick use and one thought to dig deeper. Here's the one tool you can use today. Right now, in fact. Stop and think of one idea or a fact or a process that you explain often to patients. What is it? Why do you usually explain it to patients? And now I want you to think about how do you say it? I mean it. Think about the actual terms that you use. Could you say this in another way? I'm going to suggest that if it's important, you should know how to say it in at least three different ways. And I don't just mean vocabulary. In the show notes, I have links to 10 different ways you could try to say the same thing, but you could also 
talk to a colleague, and ask how he or she says it. Also, have the same information available in multiple modes. That means you'd have something written, you could have something that's audio or video recording, some images, and that written text, and offer them all to your patients. Here's one thought to go deeper. Your best resources for patient communication are the people in the room with you. Yes, patients aren't necessarily ready to open up and answer questions or to be put on the spot. They, too, are distracted and thinking about multiple things. And the differences between you and your patient are important. But I think there's a fine distinction between focusing on the gap between you and focusing on bridging the gap between you. It can be tempting to linger, for example, on all the information patients are not giving you or on all the ways you are not getting through. So rather than getting lost in the distance between you, focus on what you have in common. These few minutes. You are in the same place, at the same time, for the same reason, with similar, if not the same, goals. For this time, at least, you are on the same side. If you would like my help and support in your organization as you address culturally and linguistically appropriate service, or any of the topics I cover in this podcast series, contact me. Go to healthcommunicationpartners.com and click on Email Us. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel, and this has been 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. Thanks for listening to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication from Health Communication Partners, LLC. Find us at healthcommunicationpartners.com.